Hello again. You found us on Boomerangs. This is Ruth. And this is Mike. Tonight we're going to be talking about The Irishman by Martin Scorsese and a little news about Kellyanne Conway and her marriage to George Conway. On top of that, another little discussion about kind of a late entry candidate, Mr. Michael Bloomberg. Mike Bloomberg. Mikey. What do we say about him? I don't know, but we'll say it later we'll because get there. first we're going to talk about The Irishman. Yeah. Well, you watched the whole thing, and I have I not did. seen the entirety of it. I watched it all, but in two sittings, like everyone that I've talked to yes. has done. But I really liked it. Everyone told me that it was derivative and very typical Scorsese, and we've seen all these actors do all these characters before, and it's just more of the same. But I figure, you know, he's kind of a Picasso, and he's, you know, if he repeats himself in, in terms of content and style, that's because that's his medium or his, his language. For me, what got my attention, and I don't know if I would have enjoyed it otherwise, was that there was a historical through line about Jimmy Hoffa. So there was some kind of like historical, factual basis to some of the storyline. And that made it interesting to me, almost kind of more documentary-like. I don't know what this... I mean, I know that the mystery of his death has never been solved. Right. But Maybe does this... The, there were theories that he was buried at the, in the end zone of some football stadium and all kinds of... Oh, weird, I never heard that were one. Weird folk tales about his disappearance. Well, I mean, we grew up... On that story about whatever happened to Jimmy Hoffa. Yes. And I never really knew. I know more now because of the film. I never really knew much about him except that he was a union leader and he disappeared and that there were hints or theories or maybe just knowledge that he was involved with organized crime. Right. Because the Teamsters are just right. known to have been infiltrated by the right. mob. Anyway, I liked the movie because of the historical references, largely. And I love watching those guys work. I think they're, they're I think they're fascinating still. Yeah, I was surprised at how entertained I was while I was watching it. I mm -hmm. just thought from the beginning I was going to be so bored. And it was interesting the de-aging process didn't bother me. I noticed it at first in a scene with De Niro and Pesci at yeah. a gas station. Right. Where it looked to me like, oh, that must have been like the beginning of where they started the de-aging process because it even looked like Joe Pesci's head wasn't quite on his body. So did they do CGI to make them look younger? Yes. Was, okay. See, I didn't even know that. They did some kind of, well, I don't know if it was CG. It was some kind of computer process. Right. So maybe that's what CGI is, computer generated. I I'm no, no yeah. expert on that, but I've just heard the term used that way. Yeah. But see, I didn't even know they did that. I just wondered why they weren't younger. I mean, even with the D, you're telling me about the de-aging. I didn't know anything about the de-aging. Oh. I just thought, well, they're looking how they look and they're supposed to be much younger, but they, they still look pretty old to be so young. I was thinking about that. I had to let that. that one go. I just had to kind of just go with the flow. I was having one. a really hard time because here's what my process was. I was looking at a car and it looked like a car from the That's late right. 40s. That's His right. car that he was driving, that beautiful streamlined. That's right. Like Art kind of Deco looking, it looked like a Plymouth. Yeah. Looked like it was from the late 40s. So I was thinking, okay, so he's four years out of the army, but mm -hmm. he looks 50. Yeah, that really didn't work, but I don't know. I found myself just kind of going with it. Like I kind of went with it Shrugging and going, oh, well. There were Times when Joe Pesci, I couldn't figure out what age he was, he was, supposed, to age he was supposed what to be. What phase he was in. Yes, exactly. Like when they were bowling. Yeah. I looked at him and I thought, is he the old guy now? There was some weird stuff around that. 
You're right. Some yeah, the hairlines kind of came and went. Oh, a little that's bit. true. Yeah, Bobby Cannavale's hairline kind of. And then when they were older, like in the very beginning, before the flashing back. Oh, they were definitely. That older. was makeup too to make them look even older than they really look in real life. I, I think with De Niro, certainly. I just haven't seen Joe Pesci right. in such a long time. Right. I don't know. Right. <laughs> Here's my thing. I'm not fascinated by the mob. I've seen The Godfather. That mm-hmm. was fascinating because it was a family story. Mm-hmm. This isn't really a family story. This is about the mob. Yeah. And watching men largely without women, Mm -hmm. it's just too much testosterone for me. I can see that. It doesn't hold my interest because there's nothing new in it. It's men acting like men. Right. Doing male things that we've seen them do many times before. Which isn't to say it wasn't engaging. Right. Because the acting is such a high quality, you Mm -hmm. kind of can't help but get caught up in it. Right. But you're right. There weren't central female characters this time. Like with Casino, you had a, a main character who was interesting. You mean Sharon Stone? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And in some of the Godfather movies, too, you had female characters that had some agency and some interest. Yes. That's a valid criticism for sure. I didn't notice that that's probably because I'm male and not a sensitive. Did you find that the story, since I'll probably watch the rest of it, Mm -hmm. that it concluded in a satisfying way? I mean, was it worth the three and a half hours that you spent watching? Yeah, it was. I mean, I think it's a story about loyalty to a person or a group that is a toxic loyalty. His loyalty you know? to Hoffa? Yeah, his loyalty to the whole organization oh, to the, and to Hoffa. Well, and having to do what he had to do to stay where who he was. Mean. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I like seeing the guys, but I could certainly see your criticism of it being very male-centric, for sure, on yeah. the terms of the character. But it had drama. I mean, mm-hmm. definitely there were stakes. Mm-hmm. It wasn't as if it was an insignificant dramatic yeah. storyline. I thought Al Pacino was great, too. I he just was. loved him. I don't know. I forget who was nominated. I think it was Al Pacino and Joe Pesci. Was and it? De Niro was not nominated. It didn't do so well in the Oscars, right? Did it, it did nothing. Yeah, well, it wasn't Cats, at least. <laughs> <laughs> I am waiting to see Cats, though. I cannot wait till it has a second go around. It becomes the Rocky Horror Picture Show. <laughs> I really do want to see it. It sounds like a nightmare. It came and went so quickly with just that buzz about the the people were offended just by the very trailer. Oh, I know. (laughs) Did you see the trailer? No, no. I think we watched it on YouTube. I think we did see something. It was absolutely ghastly. Now, who was, when they had the two presenters come out in Cats? Oh, it was James James Gordon. Gordon. Who was the woman? Rebel Wilson. Oh, okay. Someone I know nothing about. That's why I don't recognize her. But she really looked like one of the, as I recall anyway, one of the original Broadway Broadway cast. cast members of Cats. Oh. Oh, really? Yeah. Interesting. She's the one who I think, no, it's Judy Dench who licks her genitals in the movie. Oh my God, she does? Isn't that the joke that That Ricky Gervais made about it? Oh yeah, but she doesn't really do it. I thought she did. I could be wrong. Maybe she does. I'm going to see this movie and I will report back on it. Okay. Well, there's a female character for you. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Dear, dear Judy. Well, okay, so... We both read a little piece about Kellyanne Conway. Oh, God. And her marriage to George. And how all of those things that he says about Mm -hmm. Trump, he really means them. That it's the real deal and it's not some kind of guerrilla theater or something that they're No, it's not that they go home and are kissy-kissy with with each other. Right. We read that some friend of theirs said that they were basically staying together for the sake of the children. Oh. And that it really is as bad as you would imagine that it would be. George Conway, just for anybody who is listening and doesn't know, is obviously Kellyanne Conway's husband, but he's also become kind of an online Trump hater. Mm -hmm. And I guess he has quite a large Twitter following is what I'm 
Yeah, I keep reading sounds... a thing. Whenever he posts anything on Twitter that's controversial, I always see it on my political wire feed. So I, I see a lot of what he posts and I'm in agreement with it. But when I read the article today, what bugs me, I'm glad he does that. But then it, it pointed out that he too is an arch conservative. Yes, that's he is how they were drawn together in the first place. Yes. I don't know what to make of him. I mean, I get it. I believe it. I know he's sincere. But I, I'm wondering if I would almost rather have the full-on hateful Trump-supporting right-winger who at least shows their ugliness instead of this guy. who's a, He's posting these things about Trump that I agree with, but he's probably also totally on board with, say, the Supreme Court being stacked with people that are going to overturn Roe v. Wade. All of these hateful things. No, he, so he's not so saintly as he presents himself to be. No, but I think... Conservatives are, you know, real conservatives. Maybe they're what libertarians have turned out to be. Mm -hmm. But they used to be people who were for a small government. Mm -hmm. And I've said this before on this podcast, I'm sure, but out of the boardroom, out of the bedroom. Mm -hmm. Just stay out of my affairs completely. Let me make money. But that's like old school republicanism from, say, the 60s. Yes, but a true conservative still believes that. Mm -hmm. They're into small government. They don't like the fact that Trump is creating this huge, trillion dollar every 10 year deficit right they're offended by his behavior but they're also offended by his policies Mm -hmm. i don't think that they mind the tax cuts but they mind that they so affect the country's deficit well i don't know i i haven't seen them that way i've seen them as being very invested in uh denial of equal rights for gay people for women for minorities. I think that's the Trump faction, though, don't you? No, I think that's the Republicans, as long as I can remember. I know there were fiscal conservatives. Yes. So that's that's what I would call the kind of person you're describing. Okay. But I see someone with the label conservative without the modifier in front of it as being antagonistic to equal rights. Do you see them as being the people who Fox News preaches to? Well, I think... The Fox News line is meant to appeal to people that want to see women, you know, not have abortions. And I think that George Conway, for example, wants to see the right to abortion done away with because he's living with Kellyanne Conway. I think that that kind of conservatism is anti-equal rights. See, I'm having so much trouble parsing the difference between Trump's conservatism now and what conservatives used to be Mm -hmm. before Trump subsumed the party. Well, conservatism under Trump is I can commit any crime I want as long as I make good on my promise to destroy women's rights to abortion. That's right. I am God's appointed messenger. And you may not like the way I talk or the way I act or the way I treat women, but I'm, damn, I'm going to get you that overturn of Roe v. Wade that you've always wanted. That's right. Plus the wall. And the Plus wall. the judges. Mm-hmm. And the and tax will, cuts. And, and this whole idea of a black president, we're not going to have that mistake again. No. I sort of looked at George Conway as being long-suffering. Well, he probably is suffering (laughs) every night. (laughs) Wouldn't you suffer if you were married to Kellyanne Conway? I suffer and I'm not even even (laughs) more. No, I don't know. She's so awful. I don't mean to go hard on him, but I do want to just point out to myself that much as I like his anti-Trump tweets... I don't want to also glamorize him as some kind of champion of liberalism because I don't think he's that. No, 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 no. I in no way think that he's a champion of liberalism. I just think he responds to the things that Trump does that liberals do respond to, Mm -hmm. that liberals do look in horror Mm -hmm. upon. And that Kellyanne Conway defends best that she can. She is an absolute apologist for him. Right. And a justifier. She's not even an apologist. She's a justifier.
fire. Oh, no, she's even just talking about her gives me like hives. I just, she's one of the most unpleasant people I've ever observed. I've never ever seen on television, certainly as a booster for a, a president. No one's giving conference news conferences anymore. No one's right. heading that up. That's right. So she's kind of the closest thing that we've got. She's the face of the administration to some degree. What yes. A face. Holy <laughs> smokes. I don't mean to say that she's homely because she's not, and I don't mean it in that way. She's the missing a put him. <laughs> What's that? Just that face. That yeah. face like you smelt something bad. What, what did you... Fabissina Putnam. Oh, I've never heard of that. I, is it's that Yiddish? Just, it's a Yiddish word that I oh. learned when I was at CBS. <laughs> and I forget who it was applied to, but even if I knew now, I wouldn't say it. Les Moonves must have <laughs> no, it wasn't had it Leslie. engraved over his desk. <laughs> a sampler on his wall. Oh, my God. No, I shouldn't laugh about Leslie, but it wasn't he that, who said it. But, I mean, it's interesting to know that apparently this is not a a sideshow theatrical event, that this is a true point of dissension between them. Yes. And somehow, why does that make me feel morally superior? Why does that make me feel better, that it truly is a stake that's being driven between them? Well, do you want to see them suffer? I want to see her suffer. I do, too. I'm hesitant to say this because of what happened to Kathy Griffin, and I don't want it to happen to me, but I'm making up a list of people I think are appropriate Candidates, if the guillotine is brought back. Yes, we mentioned that and the last time, I and Susan Collins was first on the list. And I think Kellyanne Conway, too. And so that there are men, too, I think right away Mitch McConnell and Lindsey Graham have to go up on that platform and go through what they have to go through. I think. I think so. Do you think it's unreasonable? <laughs> Mark Twain wrote about it, so... Stephanie uh, Miller always says, the Stephanie Miller show does not endorse using the guillotine <laughs> on anybody. And so I guess we should have that disclaimer. But why? We don't have to follow her rules. Oh, that's true. We're not on the radio. No. We can, we can be, be like just Randy Rhodes. As we... <laughs> we can say fuck if we want to. Yeah, oh. Exactly. Phew, I just said it. I feel better already. I don't know that I could ever be with someone who was of a different orientation than I am. Right. It's interesting. Politically. Well, they mentioned in the article, they said that they mentioned James Carville and Mary Matlin and how that worked. But they were of two different political parties. They are of two different political parties. That's Mary Matlin true. is a Republican and James Carville is a Democrat. Yes. And they but really these... had a philosophical difference about the place of government in the country and in people's yes. lives. Uh, I, I mean, I had trouble seeing how they could stand it. But somehow, I think they were both similar political animals, you yes. know, even though that their allegiances were on different sides, they had something in common in terms of the intensity of their yes. interest in the whole process. Yes. I mean, the irony was that they were each involved in the opponent's campaign. Right. I mean, Matlin was running George yeah. H.W. Bush's campaign, mm-hmm. and James Carville was running, was involved in, right, right. highly involved in right. Bill Clinton's campaign. Yeah. So how they could do that is really hard to imagine. But yeah. they're still together, so yeah. they must have. They must have something worked. But the interesting thing is that Kellyanne and George are from the same political party, right? Right. And yet having this dissent, and is this is focused on the one man, on the one personality of Trump. That's not, I guess, what I was saying before. Philosophically, they're still on the same page as far as the, what they think is uh, a conservative would be. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But the idea is that Kellyanne has to kowtow mm-hmm. to this man who mm-hmm. is an embarrassment. Right. I mean, more than an embarrassment now, but was an embarrassment before the impeachment. I was wondering, just to get a little self-righteous for a while, 
I was wondering how you go home at night and talk to your four kids and tell them you love them. And at the same time, you're supporting and pimping for a man who puts children in cages and loves doing it and has followers who love the fact that he does it. How do you go home at night and say, I love you to your kid because when you're supporting kids. the locking up of kids? Well, because you humanize the others. Yes, that's right. And they're yeah. others. You otherize them. Mm hmm. They're, they're not human. Yeah. They are something less than human, just the way that enslaved people were something less than human. And we're creating a society where being othered is okay. Yeah. It's, it's okay to look at someone and not see their humanity. Right. That's part of, I think, what is the conscious manipulation that is being done by the, the people in power right now is they're pushing those buttons of otherism in us. Out of fear. Not only out of fear. No, well, the out buttons of their are fear in us out fear. of fear. Yes. No, but it's more Machiavellian than that. They're doing it because... Not, if they the, can not get out of their own fear, but creating fear. There you go. Because if, if they get people fired up about people coming over the Mexican border, then they're not going to look at the fact that they're screwing you on taxes so that they can That's give everything right. away to the 1%. That's right. No, you fear know. is a very powerful motive. Yeah, and it, it takes up your attention. I mean, it, it, you obsess about the thing you're afraid of. Of so as I'm going to look at that. They talk about the shiny object sometimes, you know, way a uh, distraction and how that's what Trump is always doing with his strange outbursts yes. as though they're just random. But there's something programmed about it. It's supposed to shock us constantly over and constantly. over again. Constantly. It's like... It's so that like, we don't look at what's really happening. Yes, that's right. It's, it's like the um, theory of random compulsive behavior hmm. where a rat that hits a lever and gets a pellet has normal behavior. It right. hits, the, pe it hits the lever, it gets the pellet. Yeah. So it just hits it when it's hungry, yeah. gets the pellet. Whereas if a rat hits the lever, the pellet comes down sometimes, sometimes it doesn't. Right, it just what stops it does, hitting a lever? No, it just hits it constantly. Oh. Because it never knows when that lever is going to actually create the appearance the of the, the food. Yeah. So... That's what it creates in, that's the kind of anxiety it creates in his followers is that they're constantly keyed up. They don't have any sense, you know, even though the caravan is no longer, right. people are no longer coming into the country, they right. still have this fear about immigrants mm -hmm. and that they're going to come in and take over their jobs. Right. And I guess they say that there's an underlying fear that's grounded somewhat in fact, not that it's, not that it need to be feared, but there's... The demographic change that the country's going through, the lessening of the number of white people relative to brown and black people is freaking some people out. And that white people are having fewer children. Oh, there's that too. that brown and black people are having statistically more. Right. So... That's encouraging, though, because that means eventually this has to end because... The, well, the rebalancing will have taken that's place. That's right. That's right. And the people who are now feared will have an equal number of representatives in the government. Right. And have an equal voice. God. I hope it happens in our lifetime, but I'm not sure about that. It I don't could. Know the, Look at what we've seen happen in I our lifetime. I think it's 2050 is when we've the, seen, oh, the numbers really? are supposed to. Oh, the numbers are changing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We might still be around, but we'd be very old and probably not give a shit by then. Right. But maybe things could shift before that date in terms of a, a different a different spirit taking over the country. One would hope. to some kind of sanity. Yeah. Well, once Trump's out of office. We'll see. That's the interesting thing is there's people who say he's just a symptom of a larger problem. So we, we he will may be, find but out. We can't, we've got to change the symptom before we can That's get true. rid of the problem. That's because true. Because the symptoms are just exacerbating the problem yeah. right now. Yeah. Anyway, on to Michael Bloomberg. Michael Bloomberg. 
Michael Bloomberg. He's moving up in the polls. Michael Bloomberg. What do you think? I was oh so surprised when I was at my political action group and a number of women talked about voting for Michael Bloomberg. Mm -hmm. There weren't that many men there that day. Right. So it was mostly women, but they were talking about voting for him. And that was three weeks ago. It is amazing to me that someone can spend that kind of money. I do have a little article here that shows how much money he spent on his campaign. And it's a lot. Michael Bloomberg has spent $401 million of his own money compared to Tom Steyer, who has spent $243 million of his own money. And Donald Trump spent $70 million of his own money. That's a lot of mm-hmm. do-re-mi for one candidate. And he's not even getting into the race, really, until March 3rd, until on Super, Super Tuesday. Tuesday. Well, I shocked myself by having regard for him in terms of voting. Here's what I like about Mike Bloomberg so far. Please tell me. He talks about Trump the way we need to be talking about Trump. He's willing to get in the mud. He hits Trump the way Trump needs to be hit, which is on that childish level that Trump dishes it out. I think that that's better. I don't think we should be so... Self-righteous? Yeah, so well-behaved. That's a good point. I just wonder, what does he believe in? What does he stand for? His resume, his history, shows that he, I think, has maybe unwittingly expressed institutional racism in his views. That's why he was for a stop and frisk, because it's it's really a race-based racist policy that was harmful. Yes, he hasn't had an opportunity to be, to be brought face-to-face right. with what some of his decisions, the poor ones, have meant and have done and have affected. It's, it's just a weird thought that someone would just be able to take out their checkbook and, you know, hire people on the ground, yeah. pay them scads of money to be running his campaign. It's disturbing. I don't deny it. But I mean, the amount of money it takes even for party people to come up through the ranks and, and do it is daunting as well. Although... Well, it's one way to get money out of politics. If you're not... That's right. He's not, not he's not going to be beholden to any special interest. Well, and that's another thing that Trump claimed. Is yes. That I can do what I want because I'm buying my own advertising. That's what Drain the Swamp was all about. Right. And now we have more alligators in there than we ever thought we could. We'll see. I'm feeling hopeful about everybody this week. I mean, Are if, you? I am. Even if Sanders does it, I think, you know what? If Sanders pulls it off, he's got that populist enthusiasm that Trump had that maybe could make it work. The yelling. Get off my lawn. <laughs> Medicare for all. God Man damn it. shakes his fist at cloud. <laughs> it's true. I don't know if I'm just whistling through the graveyard, but I, I feel hopeful for whoever it is because I think there's going to be enthusiasm. That's what we need. We need as many people to turn out as possible. Right. I knocked on doors in Victorville yesterday. Victorville? In Victorville. Oh, my God. I know. You paid your dues. Oh, my Lord. I felt How like I'd been there? so beaten. Did you drive up. yourself? No, I went with the caravan Holy of people. Holy smokes. It was far. really something. It was two hours each way. That's where the train to Las Vegas is going to terminate. When yes. They build it. Yes, yes. There's uh, a lot of talk about that. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I like Victorville because they have a great Costco. I know. <laughs> Everybody in my caravan was very excited to hear that there was a great Costco there, although we didn't see any uh-huh. side of it. We, <laughs> I'll have to get directions next I've time. I've been there. <laughs> but Not to brag. Having gone to people's houses and knocked on their doors and realized that the Democrats are... An- 
enthusiastically really? voting Democrat. Yes. You 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 knocked on doors and people were excited. Yes, very in, much so. If that's energized. happening in Victorville, that's a big deal. It is a big deal. Because that's not a liberal area. No, it's a forgotten area. Yeah. There's nothing going on there as far as right. the money doesn't come in there. There's there's no Sacramento money coming into that district. It's see that's the kind of population I think that this um, dog whistle politics appeals to because those are the people who are scared because economically things are not great. And so it's easy to come in and appeal to these base reactions, racism, anti-immigrant, Well, it's not a very white So for Democrats to come in and actually have solutions to propose, that's a good thing. Yes, it is. And the candidate that I was knocking on doors for Mm -hmm. is very much a a can-do person and she will get things. It's uh, California Congress District 8. And it entails Joshua Tree and Mammoth. I mean, it just goes all up and down that part of the state. Mm Yeah, I definitely got the feeling that Democrats were activated. They were there. And even people who didn't know about the elections coming up and the primaries on March 3rd, along with the presidential primary, even people who didn't know that there were congressional candidates or, you know, state senate Mm -hmm. and city council and all the rest of it, they wanted to hear about it. it. And we got some people to commit to voting just based on our showing up with the literature and the information. Yeah. So I believe that there will be a turnout. I hope so. From my lips to God's ears. Yeah, I think we're in a PTSD period where we're so terrified of a repeat that it's hard for us to relax and trust that maybe overall voters are good people. And if they're presented with good options, they will make good decisions. Weren't you the one who was saying that primaries are always like that? The party always looks like they're in disarray during primaries? That's the way it works. Yeah, so... Look at what people said about Trump. Look at what other Republicans said about Trump. Oh, absolutely. It was never Trump. Even what, apparently what Trump said about Trump when he was in his private moments about the fact that he couldn't possibly win. Right, right. Well, we'll see, but I have a good feeling about it. Good. I'm glad to hear that because I see you as someone who's kind of rooted in truth where I get off on my hopeful fantasies sometimes and I don't know if they're really rooted in what's really happening. Well, talking to other people, Mm -hmm. talking to strangers about stuff like that. You talk to other people? Talk to other people. I only talk to you. This podcast is the only talking I do all week. I'm so glad we can do it then. I don't talk to other people. I think I'm crazy. Talking to strangers is one way to see how... You are brave. <laughs> Seriously, it takes a lot to knock on a door of a stranger. I don't knock on Republicans' doors. Other people that I go out canvassing with will do that, but yeah, I won't. Yeah. I'm not there to convert anybody. Right. Um, we'll leave that to Jane Fonda. Exactly. <laughs> Thank we'll you, Boomers. We'll report on our Fonda sightings next week. <laughs> <laughs> She's in D.C. on the Capitol steps every Friday being to arrested. protest climate change and being arrested. That's Good great. old Jane. <laughs> this is Fonda Talk from <laughs> Lambert Studios in... Studio City. Thank you, Boomers, for coming along and finding us on this episode, and we will talk to you again very soon. I can't wait. (laughs) Goodbye. Bye.